You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. A promotional fee has been paid by the sponsor of this program for its editorial content. Statements, views, and beliefs expressed by the sponsor do not reflect those of WOKV or Cox Media Group. You're listening to a special encore presentation of In the House with Ken and Jared. Helping to make our community a better place. This is the WOKV Ask the Experts Weekend, discussing the things that matter most to you. Have a question? Have it answered by our local experts. Call 340-1045. That's 340-1045. Now, In the House with Jared on News 1045 WOKV. Hey, hey, welcome. In the House, your home improvement questions are answered right here, right now. Hi, my name is Jared Mellick. I own Universal Roof and Contracting. Uh, throughout the week, uh, we have a tendency to help people with their roofing, siding, and window needs uh, residentially. Commercially, we actually do full-service construction, some tenant improvement, uh, all kinds of general construction. But residentially, we have a tendency to focus on roofing, siding, and windows. Uh, but I answer all types of home improvement questions here uh, on In the House. Would love for you to be a part of the show. Uh, number here uh, to dial with your home improvement questions is 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. And uh, any type of home improvement question is okay. Maybe you're thinking about doing a, um, a remodel. You want to know what type of remodel or an addition pays off. Uh, maybe you are um, uh, replacing some flooring and you want to know what's the difference between tile and, uh, and laminate and what's this engineered stuff. Uh, what's the difference between those? Uh, maybe uh, you're thinking about um, uh, you have some stucco cracks outside and you want to know whether or not it's a big deal. Uh, really anything having to do with home improvement, you can give me a call. Uh, number 340 uh, I am a uh, licensed roofing contractor as well as licensed general contractor, and I've been doing a home improvement radio show uh, for about 18 years now, and so would love to answer your home improvement questions. Uh, 340-1045. Uh, today on my talk agenda, I've, uh, of course, going to uh, uh, answer your questions. Also, was going to talk today about energy efficiency. Uh, you know, it's it's hot out. Like it's crazy hot out, and so uh, so uh, making sure that your home is energy efficient uh, is a great idea. I know that I've been looking at my power bill later lately, and it's uh, it's uh, higher than I want it to be. And so what are some things that you can do at your house uh, to make it more energy efficient? So we're going to chat about that. But the best part of this show uh, is not me. Uh, let's face it. It is you, our great listener. Would love for you to be a part of the show, 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. All right. So um, one of the greatest ways that you can make your home more energy efficient is through insulation. Uh, insulation is uh, there to restrict heat transfer from transferring from one area to the other. And so uh, we have insulation in the exterior walls, or at least we're supposed to. And then we also have insulation in the attic. 
there are a number of different styles of insulation uh, when it comes to both walls as well as, uh, uh, as the attic. Uh, with the walls, there is, um, if you have a wood frame home, uh, then a lot of times there's batten style insulation in between, those, uh, in between the wood studs. Um, sometimes there's a foam insulation in there. Uh, if you have a block, a block home, uh, if depending on when it was built, it may not have any insulation whatsoever, uh, or it may have some sort of ISO board foam on the uh, inside of the block. And if it's newer construction, then uh, the the way that it's typically done now is that uh, the uh, in between the block is filled with uh, what's called core fill. It's a, a, a an insulation that is actually injected into the block. Now that can be done as a retrofit. So you have, if you have an older block home and you want to add some insulation, you can inject it with a core fill material. Uh, they they would drill holes in the exterior of the uh, of the block and then they would uh, inject uh, foam uh, within there, filling that space uh, and adding some additional insulation. So. Uh, the uh, adding insulation in the walls is the hardest type of insulation uh, to be able to add. The ceiling is much easier uh, or the attic is much easier. Uh, walls uh, are very difficult to add insulation because you can't get to the inside of it, right? And adding insulation on the outside doesn't work. And so, um, so adding insulation to a wood frame wall, really hard. Adding insulation to block, you can do the core fill. Uh, they'll uh, drill the holes, inject the foam, and then uh, patch those holes. If it's stucco, it's an easy way to do it. If, it's, uh, if you have block with siding, it's, a, it's significantly harder. But, uh, but block with stucco, you can actually add some core fill as a retrofit. So then we move to the attic area uh, insulation. Uh, most homes are going to have either a blown-in insulation or a batten-style insulation. Uh, this is an in insulation that goes on the floor of the attic. Or if you're inside the home, you look up, you see your ceiling. That's usually drywall. On the other side of that drywall uh, would be wood supports, and then it would be um, uh, the insulation. Well. Blown-in insulation uh, and batten-style insulation, they both lose some of their um, uh, insulating values over time. Uh, with blown-in, uh, what happens is, is that it's the dead airspace between those individual pieces of insulation uh, assist in the insulative value of that blown-in insulation. And so as it settles... Uh, just from, let's say, gravity. Yeah, I mean, gravity here on, on Earth, we have gravity, and gravity pulls down constantly, uh, which is why we don't float away to space. Uh, but also, uh, what it does is it pulls down uh, on that insulation. And so, uh, it, when it settles over time, it loses some of its insulative value. And so, adding additional uh, insulation is a, is a good idea to make your home more energy efficient. That is what keeps your cool air inside your home and keeps the hot air out. Uh, and of course, in the winter, it does the opposite. Uh, now here in Florida, we don't have as harsh of winters as other parts of the country. So we do find that insulation is uh, uh, it, during the uh, summer months uh, is uh, when we feel the largest effects from it. Uh, so you can add additional uh, insulation through uh, blown-in insulation. Um, understand that there is a diminishing return on insulation. What I mean by that is that let's say that you have R19 uh, insulation. 
Uh, now, uh, with blown in, that usually is approximately eight to eight and a half inches, depending on the type of uh, in blown in insulation that you have. Well, if you go from R19 to R38, that is twice the amount of insulation, right? Uh, theoretically, if you are just looking at the numbers, that should be twice as much as insulation, which means it should be twice as effective, right? Well, that's not the way it actually works. R19 uh, is usually, I think it's, depending on the type of insulation, it's 80 to 82% effective of redu reducing heat transfer from one area to the other. So what is twice as effective as 80? 160? No, so R38 is not twice as effective. It's going to switch it from 80% effective uh, at reducing heat transfer to something like 92 or 88. I forget the exact number. I don't have it in front of me. But, um, but there is a diminishing return on insulation. It's not going to be twice as effective. Uh, and so the biggest difference between uh, when it comes to effectiveness of insulation is going from zero to some. Uh, even an R4 insulation is the 70 something percent effective. And so, um, so doing uh, some insulation when you have none is going to give you the most amount of, uh, of benefit, but more insulation is better. Now, what a lot of people have been doing is uh, getting rid of uh, that old style insulation uh, going at the attic and reducing the heat transfer just in the, uh, at the ceiling level. And many people have been going with a, some sort of spray foam insulation. Um, I like spray foam insulation. I have some concerns uh, it, when it's done as a retrofit because there's some other considerations that need to be taken into effect. Um, spray foam insulation typically uh, does not go at the ceiling level. It typically goes at the roof level. So it's typically sprayed on the underside of the roof deck. And the principle is, with regular insulation, is that you allow whatever hot air to come into the attic space, and then you restrict it at the ceiling. So you're stopping it from coming into the air-conditioned portion of the home, but it still goes into the home. And then you have a ventilation system, which is what actually allows that hot air to vent out of the attic. Well, with spray foam insulation, what you're doing is you're spraying it on the underside of the roof deck. And that's supposed to restrict the heat from ever breaking the envelope of the home. So your attic, instead of being 160 to 170 degrees, would be significantly cooler. Now, understand that spray foam insulation, not only is it a heat barrier, but it's also an air barrier. So what happens is, is when you spray it on the underside of the roof deck, it is a heat, moisture, and air barrier. And so because of that, you're actually going to restrict air transfer from one area to the other and moisture transfer from one area to the other. Now, in general, that sounds really good, except that with spray foam, you don't do a regular ventilation system. So the house cannot breathe the same way that it does with a regular insulation and ventilation system. So you have to take that into consideration. So many times I see people add spray foam to a home that was designed to have regular attic in insulation and regular ventilation, but they're not affecting the, the, or they're not changing the ventilation system or the airflow, you have to somehow allow that house to breathe. And so usually that's done through some sort of um, uh, external air intake 
or it's done through the HVAC system where you're allowing a fresh air intake to come in. So if you have a home that has a regular ventilation system and you don't have um, uh, returns in every room of the home, I do not want you to do spray foam insulation unless you modify it. So uh, what will happen is, is if you take a home that was designed to breathe and close in the, the, the ventilation system and make it so airtight that it can't breathe anymore and don't have some other way to get fresh air in and some other way to get the bad air out, then you could very possibly create mold problems. You could create um, uh, moisture problems inside that home if you don't change something to allow it to breathe. And so I see many times where people have added spray foam, closed in their ventilation system, and they've actually caused their home to become a sick home where there's moisture and mold problems. And so you need to take that into consideration and do some sort of fresh air intake, do some sort of area to allow fresh air in and bad air out uh, when doing spray foam insulation. Now, I'm not anti-spray foam. In fact, I'm pro-spray foam. I actually have it in my house. So I... Uh, but mine was an existing home, and when I did the spray foam, what I ended up doing is I closed in my soffit uh, vents, I replaced my roof, I did the spray foam, I added uh, returns into every area of my home, and then I added fresh air intake so that that way the house could actually breathe. I was removing the ventilation system, so therefore I had to, uh, to modify uh, my home to still be able to breathe. So uh, I'm not anti-spray foam. I'm just making sure that it's done in the right way. Now, what some people will do, because they don't want to go to the expense, they want the, spray, the effects of spray foam, but they don't want to go to the expense of changing their HVAC or adding fresh air intakes or adding returns in every single room. And so what I have some people do is they've add spray foam but as a thermal barrier instead of as an air barrier. So what that means is that they're adding spray foam, but they're leaving it short of the ventilation system. So they're stopping it just a few foot short of the ridge, and they're stopping it just short of the, um, uh, of the, uh, the soffits. So, it, the ha so you still have a ventilation system, and you still have the insulation, the batten style or the blown-in insulation on the rest of the home. And so it's just an extra thermal barrier to restrict some of that hot air from getting in the attic. So that's a great method to get the effects of spray foam without the negative consequences uh, that can potentially happen with spray foam. All right, that music means we need to take a break. If you want to call with your home improvement questions, you're listening to In the House. The number is 340-1045. Uh, give us a call with your home improvement questions. You're listening to In the House on News 104.5 WOKV. All right, welcome back in the house. Your home improvement questions are answered. All you got to do is give us a call, 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. Let's go straight to the phones. Let's try to get as many in as possible. Tom in Middleburg, you're in the house. How can I help you, man? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, my pleasure. I have a, a two-story home. Uh, the whole top side is, uh, is a bedroom. And uh, I, I replaced the roof in 2012, put a, put a ridge vent on it, really thought that'd make a big difference. And I have an HVAC that, that's dedicated solely to the upstairs. Hmm. But 
you just can't keep that that room cool up there. And you know, I've never I've never pulled a, a piece of the ceiling or anything out to see what kind of insulation or anything's in there. But I, I venture to say there's probably only six inches from the top from the inside of the ceiling to the actual shingle on the roof. Just wanted to ask you, you know, what would you suggest something I could do to, to just, you know, have a cooler living space up there? Sure. So, one, I would look at uh, – uh, I'm going to give you my email address so you can email me a photo of the ridge vent. Some are more effective than others. Uh, and so it could be that the, the ridge vents that do not have an external baffle – they just work because it's a hole, whereas the ones that have an external baffle, when we get any sort of breeze, as the air goes through that baffle, that creates a negative air pressure, which actually physically sucks the hot air out of the attic space. So it could be why you didn't see a difference is that if that ridge vent doesn't have an external baffle, it wouldn't be any better than any other ridge vent. So uh, so that that's one thing. Secondly is, is that when you have a... a a space where the you know you have the drywall and then you have let's say two by sixes or two by eights and then there's you know a little bit of insulation between that space and then the the decking is right on top that attic area or that dead air space is really really small now what some so sometimes what they'll do is they'll pack that whole area with insulation and not leave any dead air space thinking that more insulation is better but the truth is, is that insulation works in conjunction with ventilation. And if there's not an air channel from the, t from the bottom where the soffit is to the top where the, uh, where the ridge vent is, then, and there's no dead air space in there, then that insulation is not as effective as it could be. And so, but the problem is, is that's, is that that's, there's not an easy retrofit to that, right? There's, you know, they're really removing the roof and affecting the insulation or removing the drywall and affecting the insulation is really the only two methods. And if you are removing the drywall, I wouldn't go back with regular insulation. I would go back with a spray foam insulation. Uh, it's going to be a lot more effective than either the batten style or the blown in that is there existing. So in that scenario, I probably would use the spray foam if you decide to go through the expense. But there's no way to do it other than removing the drywall if there's no access there. I got you. And I would think, because I know they put their, like, uh, battens or channel supposed, supposedly in, in, in between the trusses to keep the air going from the soffit to the, to the ridge. But you're absolutely right. I don't know if they did that or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. But, I mean, just because supposed to doesn't mean that it happens. But I would email me, jared at universalroofjacks.com, jared at universalroofjacks.com. Send me a photo of that, um, of that ridge vent, and I can tell you if there's a better ridge vent that's more effective. Sounds good. I thank you for your time. Thank you for the program. Yep, no problem. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, um, Doug on the south side. Uh, you are in the house. How can I help you? Yeah, thank you. Um, I've, I I am very interested in your subject that you that you closed with uh, before the calls because we uh, put in the open cell about seven years ago in an older home, a, built in '65, a concrete block home, and uh, I you know it has just made the biggest difference as far as comfort in the house, but. Awesome. You were you were talking about the ventilation issue that I, I didn't quite understand. We have returns in every room in the house. Mm -hmm. Does that solve the problem of of uh, 
of, uh, you know, the getting fresh air in the attic, or is there something else that I need to do? No, it's not fresh air in the attic. I'm not concerned about fresh air in the attic. I'm concerned about fresh air in the home. So do you have a block home or wood frame? Yeah, it's a block, concrete block. And uh, we have closed cell uh, in the crawl space underneath and open Mm -hmm. cell in the attic. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, it's, I, I, I don't, um, notice any change other than the comfort level is completely different. You know, we got it. We, yep. So hold on one second. I, I, I'll, I'll address this further coming up in the next segment because it is really, it, it is, I touched on it really quickly and I'll get into greater detail and answer your question. You're listening in the house. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, welcome back. In the house, your home improvement questions are answered. Uh, let's go straight back to the phones. We'll talk to Doug. Uh, before the break, um, we, I was talking to Doug. Um, earlier, I talked about spray foam insulation. And one of our concerns when we convert to spray foam insulation uh, on an existing home is that when the ventilation system is closed up, is that if there's not a way to get fresh air in, then it can cause some problems with the home. And so Doug had called, uh, he had spray foam installed in his house about seven years ago and uh, just wanted to discuss that further just to, uh, just to make sure. So am I, did I paraphrase that question uh, okay, Doug? Yeah, yep, exactly. Okay, so let me, so chances are you're fine, right? You've had spray foam for seven years. You haven't had any negative consequences. But let me talk about the extreme of this. So understand that houses have to breathe in some way. Some way there has to be fresh air that comes in. We, if, if you have just a complete, let's take um, a, um, a, a completely different structure. Let's say that you go into a, into a metal box, right? Uh, or and you go in there and you close everything up and you're inside of there, you're breathing in and out, eventually you're going to run out of oxygen, right? And so there has to be, and you're going to run out unless there's some way to get air in. Well, it's the same thing with your home. Your home is a box, right? And so as we continue to make things more and more energy efficient and more and more airtight, we're closing it up, which means that it can't breathe. It means that you can't get fresh air in there. So then that causes moisture problems and it causes other issues. And so if you have a home that is designed to be ventilated through, through the ventilation system and then you add spray foam and close all of that up, if there's not some other way to get fresh air in, then it's not getting any fresh air. And so now, because you've had it for seven years and you're fine, then that means that air is coming in other ways, right? So it's coming in the breaks in the block or it's coming in uh, from uh, energy, non-energy efficient windows where the, or there's cracks along there or it's coming in other places where that fresh air is being allowed in. But the tighter you make the home, you, you have to have some way to have fresh air come in. So there's two ways that it's usually done other than by accident. Like yours is done by accident most likely now, meaning that there's just gaps around windows and doors or there's gaps in the block or there's gaps where the roof meets the, um, the, the block wall where it's just allowing fresh air to come in. So 
if it's not done by accident, then it needs to be done by, perp by on purpose. And there's two ways that it's usually done. One is as part of the HVAC system, where the HVAC system will actually have a fresh air intake as part of it, where it's actually pulling in some of the fresh air and recirculating it into the home. And the second method is, is that you have some sort of uh, uh, vent on the outside of the home, which is designed to just allow fresh air in. See, what happens is, is when you turn on like an exhaust fan, let's say that you have a fan on the inside of your home in the bathroom and you turn that fan on, well, that fan is pulling the air from inside and exhausting it outside. Well, you, it only will exhaust at the same rate that additional air will come in. Otherwise, backdraft will happen and a negative air pressure will happen. And so you have to have an area for fresh air to come in the home. Make oh, sense? This is interesting because... You know, when we had this put in, before we did, we had uh, Wally come out and do a home uh, inspection where he closes off the, the, the doors and he puts that uh, equipment in where they, they test to see where, they're the, where the leaks are. Right. And helps and helped us to, to figure out where these are coming from to fix them. So, I, you know, I have reduced the airflow in a sense because of that. There, there aren't as many of that as that. So I guess my question really is, what, what, what should I be looking at as far as negative effect at this point? I mean, is there a moisture problem that I need to be concerned about? Or Yeah, I mean, the uh, fact that it's been seven years and you haven't had any problems, that says that there's no problem, right? And so there is a ratio, like you don't want too much air to come in. And that's why fresh air intakes are a way that, it, that it's controlled now a lot of times in new construction is that everything else is sealed so well. So then you control the amount of fresh air that you come in. And usually it's through the HVAC system or usually it's through some sort of external vent because you don't want too much air coming in from the outside. But at the same time, you don't want none. Now, understand that every time you open the window and door, you're going a window or door, you're going to have some sort of fresh air exchange, right? Every time you open the door, you know, fresh air is going to come in, even if your, your, uh, your house is sealed so tight that nothing else can come in. So at this point, the fact that you're not having any negative effects, I would say it would prove that it's not a problem. But I've had other people, I've, I've seen houses where they had spray foam added and immediately they had moisture problems they had, um, you know, where people in the house were getting, were getting sick uh, and uh, because the air was not exchanging, the house was so tight that there was no fresh air coming in. See, my, my uh, experience is the opposite. We had moisture problems, mildew problems. Right. They were greatly reduced when we did this. Yep. It's, so, so I'm not, don't get me wrong. I, again, I'm not anti-spray foam. I have spray foam at yeah. my house. And so, yeah. and so, and I'm not, uh, I'm not anti-energy efficiency. Uh, I'm, uh, we want to seal the houses as tight as possible, but we don't want to seal them so tight that we can't, we, that we don't get any fresh air in, or that when you turn your fireplace on, that it won't, the smoke won't go out because the, the, the house is so tight that, you yeah. know, that, the, the air can't escape. So yeah. it's, it, it is a balanced system is what matters. Yeah, good. All right. Well, you put my mind at ease. All right. I, I, was, I was troubled initially, but I'm, I'm at ease now again. Thank See, you very I much. I freaked you out and put you at ease all within, a, all within a, a one show. So I'm glad I could help. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, brother. Thanks a lot for your call. Appreciate it. All right, let's, uh, let's see. Let's go to Richard on the west side. Richard, you're in the house. How can I help you? 
Yes, good morning. I appreciate your show. You, you give us a lot of good information. Uh, Thanks, listen, my daughter, My daughter has a cottage on her property. It's a 20 by 20, and uh, she's wanting us to move over there because we're getting uh, up in age, and uh, she wants to extend it another 20 foot forward, and we can know, you know, particularly how to go about that. And I thought you might give us a little information on that. Sure. Now, are you thinking about doing it yourself, or are you going to hire a contractor? Well, that, or? That, that's what you don't know. You don't. We can't do it ourselves. You know, we're going to have to get somebody. And I thought you'd be the best person to call sure. on that. <laughs> sure. So, so any times that that you're doing an addition, it's considered you know a structural change to the home. And so, what the process is is that you know you have to have a set of plans. And those plans have to be stamped by a structural engineer. And then you submit those plans uh, to the building department. And uh, then you get a permit to be able to do it. So, so that is the process that whether you're doing it yourself, physically doing the work, or whether you're acting as an owner builder, meaning that you're pulling the permit and then you're just hiring individual people to do individual work, or that's what the general contractor would do if you ended up hiring them. So if you are hiring somebody, it's important that they have one of three licenses in order to perform that work. A residential contractor's license, which basically is a general contractor that can do homes. A building contractor, which is a general contractor who can do homes and commercial up to three stories. And then a the general contractor can build almost anything in Florida. So, so uh, you would want to hire somebody who has one of those three licenses. And, um, and then uh, I would start with interviewing contractors first. That's what I would recommend. And basically, I just have a couple different contractors, two, three contractors come over, take a look at it, let them know that you want what you want, and get some preliminary pricing and so that that way you can start budgeting correctly for it. And then most of the time, whatever general contractor you choose would usually have somebody that can do the plans and engineering as part of the project. Some of them would just refer you to a separate uh, designer or architect or engineer to do those plans. And then uh, once you have those plans, uh, then you if, you if you go the plan route first, then you can get multiple bids on those specific plans. But the general bid that the contractor gives uh, it sometimes can be different based on the whatever the engineer says that needs to be done. Because this is an addition and you're adding on to the existing structure, there's going to be some rules about what things you have to bring up to the current code. So, for example, the electrical. If the electrical that is on the existing home, on the existing cottage, uh, does not um, meet the, the current building code requirements, depending on the percentage of the building that you are adding, you may have to bring all of that electrical up to that existing code, meaning that you may have to redo all the electrical in that cottage in order to do an addition to it. So and it, the contractor and architect and engineer will help you with that process. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you do it, uh, that kind of work? Uh, we do not here in um, we have a tendency to focus just on exterior on roofing siding windows I have the license to be able to do it there's for years in the past I've done it but currently right now we're, we're just we're just focused on roofing siding and windows yeah uh, do you recommend anybody um, I I, I do but not on air so um, so if you email me uh, Jared at, at universalroofjacks.com 
I can give you a couple names of a few people. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, it's different when I when I mention their name on air. It's 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 a different endorsement than when I just tell you you know a guy I know that does some work. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So. All right, thanks, brother. Okay. Appreciate your call. Okay, thanks. I appreciate the information. Yeah, no problem. Um, the work that we do a lot of though is we do a lot of roofing, siding, and windows. And so uh, if you uh, if you have noticed that you know you had a leak in some of the recent rain that we've had, or uh, your roof is getting towards the end of its life, or maybe a bunch of people in your neighborhood are doing their roofs, uh, if you want a good contractor to be able to help you with that, I would love to be part of, of your next roofing project. Uh, my um, uh, my office uh, Universal Roof and Contracting. Our office number is uh, 495-0948. Again, 495-0948. And again, that's Universal Roof and Contracting, and we do roofing, siding, windows. That's the, the type of work that we perform and uh, would uh, love to help you with anything that's, uh, that's happening uh, with, uh, with your house uh, when it comes to either the roof, the siding, or the windows. Universal Roof and Contracting, again, uh, 904-495-0948. All right, that music means that I need to take a quick break. When we come back, i uh, got a couple callers on the line. Line open for you. Numbers here, 340-1045. Uh, you're listening to In the House. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, welcome back. Final segment this week's In the House show. Thanks for being a part of it. We do appreciate it. Number here, 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. If you get a chance, check out the website, inthehouseshow.com. There's tips, tricks, uh, different things on the website. Also, my business, Universal Roof and Contracting. Uh, check that out as well. And then uh, Renewal by Anderson, uh, best window company around. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's talk to Lynn in Ponte Vedra. Uh, Lynn, you're in the house. How can I help you? Okay, hi, Jared. Um, I have a problem with um, a family of squirrels in our upstairs walls that died. And the reason, there was a funny smell, and we actually had an electrician who was uh, fixing some stuff upstairs. And he was able to cut out um, a little bit of the sheetrock on one of the walls and pull the, the squirrels out. But they had been deceased for quite some time, and that odor was coming, obviously, from, from that. Um, the smell is still there after seven months. Um, wow. It's very noticeable, especially in the summer, as you dis, uh, ascend the staircase to, to the upstairs. Um, mm -hmm. I did have a contractor come out. And they told me that the walls would have to come down. They'd have to pull all the sheetrock out because that smell basically gets stained on the on the sheetrock on the inside of the sheetrock. And that just seems like a huge project. Um, it is an awful smell, and I would be willing to do that if if it's something that's absolutely necessary. Yeah. So one, I would, if it's if the smell is still really really bad, it is possible that there was a, that there's another one in there that that wasn't removed. Um, Correct. So we do find that I mean you know, dead animal is not a great smell, right? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean it's you know it's not fun, and so no. so yeah, getting I mean solution number one is always getting rid of the dead animal, right? And and there are I don't want to get too graphic with it, but as it decomposes, there is a lot of times where it will 
damage drywall or, or soak into an area where the only way to get rid of the smell is to remove whatever it soaked into as it was decomposing. And so, so if it's really, really bad, but it, if it's really, really bad, it's very possible that you still have another one up there. Yeah, uh, and it, it may have been a larger family uh, of squirrels than what you thought it was. Right. Uh, and right. so, so I mean, but otherwise, if it, like I don't know of a chemical or or anything that that I know of that that would remove you know dead carcass smell. Maybe some of our listeners right. do, but I've never right. I've never heard of it. So my my answer would probably be the same, which is to remove you know wherever it decomposed right. into so and and then as far as preventing this from happening in the future obviously there's squirrels that get up on the roof and so they're they're getting in somehow from the roof from the roof entry and yep. is there any point on the roof that they like to enter or something i should have a roofer check out on my roof well, it, you're, you're better off actually having a pest prevention person do it as opposed to a roofing contractor. Roofing contractors are great at stopping water from coming in and not necessarily so good at, at, at you know, stopping critters from coming in. The most common area where we find where critters come in on a roof uh, is at what's called a return. A return is where an upper and lower section of roofing comes together. So if you have like a dormer uh, where that dormer connects to the main roof, that area is called a return. Uh, there Previously in new construction, there was no rules about, you know, rodent prevention uh, or, right. uh, or pest prevention. And so there wasn't really uh, guidelines on how to do those um, uh, those areas from a you know from a animal perspective now in the current uh, building code there is but there's nothing that says that you have to retroactively go back and do it but i would i would ha actually have a press pest prevention company come in and they can add sheet metal and and um uh, and wire mesh in areas and there's spots where critters have gotten in where i'm like there's no freaking way a critter's right. gonna be able to get in there and they <laughs> did and so yeah um so yeah, so I I would not go to a roofer. I would actually go to a you know to a pest prevention company. Okay, thank you. You've been very helpful, and I will take those steps. Thanks again. All right, sounds good. Take thank care. you so much. Appreciate your call. All right, let's go to Les in St. Augustine. Les, I only have about a minute left. Sorry, uh, but what what can I help you out with? Uh, yes, I live in a, a community of about eighteen years old block homes, and they're having trouble with their copper tubing, and they're mm -hmm. all the oldest ones seem to be breaking down at. At this period, it's been five just in the last month, and or so. And some of people are going ahead and converting and putting it in the attic now. But why is the why does it seem to be happening now? Is copper used to last forever? Uh, is it something that could be uh, inferior in the copper or something? Yeah. So a couple different things. This is a it's probably a five minute discussion, and I ha and I have about a minute. And so. So there's, there's different theories on why copper fails. Uh, some people have a theory that it's actually lightning uh, that causes it. Um, my, the best theory that I have seen is, is that as we are removing more and more minerals from our water during, due, due to water treatment, those minerals that are typically in there are actually lining the inside of that, of that copper over time. And um, less and less minerals uh, in the water and more chlorine actually causes the copper to break down. That's my personal opinion on what the on the theory as to why um, uh, why 
the the copper fails more now. Either way, once it starts to happen, it's going to continue to happen. And so I would, if I am if I'm in your position and all my neighbors are having problems with the copper, I would replace the piping before it floods my house. That's what I would personally do. Thanks, Les. I appreciate your call. We've come to the end of the show. If you want to call my business, Universal Roof and Contracting for help with either roofing, siding, or windows, we would love to help you with that. Our phone number is 495-0948. Again, 904-495-0948. Universal Roof and Contracting. Thank you so much for listening today. Show's called In the House every Saturday morning. Take care. God bless. See ya.